Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. David and Jonathan entered into a covenant with each other called a blood covenant and affected later on a child to be born, yet whose name was Mephibosheth. What does this have to do with you? Let's find out what Jesus did for us in a blood covenant from the cross. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I'm Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you with me here today. And for those of you just joining today for the first time, or those of you maybe for the second or third time, welcome back. And again, glad to have you. And for those of you who've been consistent, you know, tuners in for some time, thank you again for just being faithful. And so thanks again. So today I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 4. And we're going to take up one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is one that entered into a covenant uh, with Jonathan, which was Saul's son, the king's son. And it's so typical of us today. And what it is, is the type of the new covenant we have with each other. And not only with each other, but also with God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're also looking to God as our heavenly father. And Jesus is our elder brother. So again, it comes back to that relationship. Let me just give you a little bit of things between David and Jonathan. Jonathan, his heart was immediately knitted with David from the moment he met him. And the reason why was, uh, as most people know, when you're the king's son, most everybody that knows you is looking for something. I mean, they're kissing up to you for some reason. And he was just probably tired of it. But David wasn't that way. David was completely content in him. Himself, not owning much. I mean, basically, David had the coat that was on him and, and, you know, a few things with him, a staff and all those different things. And But David was just content. His happiness came from the Lord, his relationship with the Lord. And basically, his relationship with other people was based on that. So Jonathan was so impressed with him and they became best friends. Beyond best friends, they became covenant best friends. And we'll talk about that today. What happens is, is since Jonathan was the king's son, he's a type of Jesus who came and made a covenant with us and brought us into the family. And we'll talk about here what covenant means in the Old Testament, especially. First Samuel chapter 18, verses one through four. When he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Once you notice this, they love, he loved David as much as he loved himself. The same thing with David. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. The Hebrew word for made actually means to cut a covenant. I'll come back to that. Jonathan and David cut a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan took off his robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword, to his bow, and to his belt. To cut a covenant in the ancient world, there's different ways to cut a covenant. The main way they would do that is cut across the palms of their hands. Across, across the main hand was the right hand. So they cut a, cut a uh, line there with a knife and cut it to where there was bleeding. And they would shake hands with each other, hold hands with each other, and the blood would mingle. Also, some of them would take the blood and put it into a cup of uh, wine and drink it. But of course, the Bible was against the drinking of blood. So if you were a believer, you didn't do that. But this was a common way of doing things or just simply mingle the blood between two people. This still goes on today, and especially among tribes in Africa, other countries, they cut a covenant with each other. And it is said that when Livingston went into 
uh, into Africa many, many years ago that he cut a covenant with every single leader of every single tribe he ministered to. And what he found is the reason why was is because this was so important. This was so dramatic to the to the different tribes of Africa that if you had a if you cut a covenant with somebody and you went to the next guy and he saw that and he recognized that because there was a different cut for different tribes and different symbols for different tribes, he recognized that he realized something. This guy is in covenant relationship with that tribe over there. If I hurt him in any way, that tribe's coming after me because they see him as a member of their tribe. So he did it with every, he did it with every one of the tribes he came across. And that way, when they looked at him, he could have them all up and down his arms, showing the different ones that he had come into covenant relationship with. And these guys would leave him alone and then open themselves up to the gospel because they what they wanted to know was what is it that made you in covenant relationship with these tribes over here? He could present the gospel. Oh, the smartness that he had inside of him. But again, covenant goes back a long way. Again, we find it here in the Old Testament. God actually cut a covenant with Abraham one time. And when he entered into faith, whenever Abraham had faith in the Lord, it was accounted him for righteousness, they entered into a covenant with each other. And at that time, Abraham was put to sleep and God simply took, and he took an animal and sliced it in half and then laid it the two sides open. And then there was two symbols that went through it. There was a fire and there was also a lamp, that went, a lantern that went through them. One a symbol of God the Father, one a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he slept there on the ground, Abraham slept, these two went through the pieces of the covenant. And what that covenant represented by the cutting an animal in half represented Jesus going to the cross and the father and the son coming into covenant relationship with each other. And then whenever Abraham woke up, he was part of the covenant too. So again, it comes back to this is what God saw and it all points in the word of God to the coming of Jesus Christ and his work for us on the cross when he entered into a covenant relationship with us by the shedding of his blood. David and Jonathan, again, it cut a covenant exchange of blood with each other. David and Jonathan were literally beyond friends. They were covenant friends. Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. And the same thing was true with David. David loved Jonathan as much as he loved himself. This comes back to the word of God that teaching us about the love we're supposed to have for each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Your neighbor here is a born-again believer. Your neighbor here is one that might attend the church, all those different ones. But it's not talking about necessarily a relationship with the world, but once they come into covenant relationship with us, then we love them as much as we love ourselves. The main thing we are responsible for for the world is to give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the chance to come into that eternal covenant by the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once they do, they become in covenant relationship with God and in covenant relationship with us. In this particular case, let me just tell you what happened with covenant relationships. The two that entered into covenant with each other, first of all, all their possessions belonged to each other. And so David shared all of uh, the all the possessions here of Jonathan. Jonathan shared all of the had David had. And honestly, to be truthful with you, David had the most to gain from this covenant. I mean, what he had, he had out. He probably had on his shepherd's outfit. On one hand, he had a you know he had the uh, staff, and the other hand, he might have had a club that he helped beat off the uh, you know the attacking wolves or whatever. And that's about all that he had. But when he went into covenant with here in this verse of scripture with Jonathan, Jonathan had everything to give. David had everything to gain, and Jonathan had nothing to gain in this thing. But he loved. 
David so much, he entered in. And we're going to find out here what he did. Again, David had the most to gain from this covenant, and they cut their palms and they mingled blood. First of all, what David received from Jonathan was the robe. The robe represented the power and the authority of the kingdom. Think about this. David now had control in the kingdom through the son of the king. And so he had power, he had authority in the kingdom. Next of all, he had the armor. Jonathan would be David's protection, and the armor here represented that. And also represented the fact that Jonathan being his protection represented the fact that David had access to the military also. Next of all was a sword and a bow. Jonathan would be David's defender not only his protector, his defender. And he would go to battle and fight with David next to him if it came to that. Then last of all was the belt, and the belt here carried all the other provisions, but also the belt represented everything inside the loins of the one who was giving it. And all children to come in their loins were included in the covenants. Much like when Abraham came and bowed before Melchizedek, honestly, what he was saying was that not only was Abraham included, but all the children inside of him were included because when he bowed, we find in Hebrews that also all the children inside were bowing also. And this represented the covenant yet to come, the, the, the different tribes yet to come all the way till the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So all the children to come in their loins were included in this and any children yet to be born were part of the covenant. And this included one we're going to be studying about Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was inside of Jonathan. Jonathan, that was this would be his son later on. And Mephibosheth being a child of that would survive and eventually become part of that covenant also. That's a story yet to come. Saul tried to kill David after this. David had to run from Saul and literally had to hide from him. And in running from him and hiding from him, it covers the next numbers of chapters here in the book. And when David started to run from him, first of all, David didn't believe that Saul would try to kill him. But what happened was Saul became jealous of David. David would go to battle. Here's how, first of all, he had, a, he had uh, Saul's daughter as his wife. How did he get her? Her name was Michael. And so Michael uh, was promised to him, but what he had to do was run, was go out to battle and bring back a hundred foreskins of the enemy, kill a hundred men, cut off their foreskins and bring it back to the king. I know that's not very appetizing, but it's in the word of God. And this was proof he had actually taken them and killed them because no man would, you know, he'd fight, they'd fight pretty much for that part of the body. So David tried to, uh, Saul tried to kill David after this. Why? Because he sent him out and instead of coming back with a hundred, he came back with 200. And so Michael was given to him for a wife and Saul suddenly began to realize something. David's more popular than I am. The number one song in Israel, the women sang it when David came back from battle was Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands. Oh, that made him mad. And he began to look for ways to put David down. And then eventually as David got more popular and, and Saul became more demon possessed at the time and, and harassed by demons, he tried to kill David. So as David was playing his harp, then he would throw, then the king would throw a javelin at him. And David would basically just move off to the side, you know, and the thing would pass him or land in the wall or land in, you know, the, the, the wood around him. And what happened with David was David probably just 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 naive as could be. Uh, he's having a bad day. Maybe he, he didn't realize what he was doing until finally Jonathan, David's covenant friend, and Michael, his own wife, convinced him he needed to run. My father's trying to kill you, David. 
Do you understand this? He hates you. He despises you. And David, as naive as he was, just went out, did the battle, came back, thought everybody would be happy, thought the king would be happy, but the king was now jealous of him. And this even opened up Saul to more demon possession more and more times. And now he would prophesy correctly sometimes, and other times he would be totally taken over by demons. He was schizophrenic back and forth. The first thing that David did was he ran to a city called Nob. This is where the priests were. Some 50 priests were there. And David ran there. And when he came to Nob, he came in and asked if he could have Goliath's sword. And of course, their first thought was probably why. It didn't do him any good, didn't do, didn't do Goliath any good. Why do you want this? It's because David had no weapons and David was looking for the first thing he could find. And David was small and this thing was gigantic. It was huge. It was used by a giant. And David wanted that. So he ended up getting it. He also took some showbread and ran off. But there was a man there at that time. And that man was one that was part of uh, Saul's army and saw David there and reported back that, that, that he had seen David there. So David, again, was running, but now Saul came in and killed every one of the priests, their children, their wives, all these things, and only one person was left and found David and told him what had happened, and David was totally crushed. David just did not know what to do, and David was alone. So he ran after that to the city of Gath, and Gath is where the Philistine came from. This is where uh, Goliath came from, and David was there, and talk about stupid. Right now, David is so carnal, he can't think straight, and on that, I'm gonna take a break. We're gonna go to halftime right now, and when we come back, we're gonna take up right here and talk about again the covenant between David and Jonathan. For centuries, in nearly every culture that has ever existed in the earth, the concept of the blood covenant has been universally understood and accepted as a contract which is complete and ever-binding. With this in-depth series titled A Better Covenant, Pastor Bob Yandian examines, contrasts, and compares the blood covenant of the Old Testament with the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross and reveals the new and better covenant now available to every born-again believer. Topics include The Life is in the Blood, A Friend that Sticks Close, Mephibosheth, A Covenant History, Why the Law, The Blessings of Abraham, Covenant Attitudes, and God's Covenant with David. To order a better covenant in 9-CD set or as MP3 downloads, visit bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meetings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I'd say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. 
Even the Greek and the Hebrew were written on a third or fourth grade level where people can understand it. So that's what this is for. So, you know, this book will help and bless you tremendously as a person, as a, as a convert, and as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you teach a Bible class, if you teach a home cell group, or you're a pastor of a church or whatever, this book is for everybody and it's gonna greatly bless you. So I know you're gonna be blessed by getting this book and again, by growing in the things of God. Go to my website, bobyandian.com, and there you can purchase a copy for yourself. This will feed you for a lifetime. You can read it over and over again. And once you get it, one revelation, you'll say, wow, it was certainly worth the $15. So again, go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. After David ran from Nob, again, this is the place where the priests were, and then ended up that once he, he, once he ran from there, that there was a man that reported back to the king and told him that David had been there. And the king sent in all these soldiers and they killed all of the priests except one of them survived and managed to get to David and told him what had happened. David was so scared at that point, he ran off to Gath. Now, Gath was the hometown of Goliath. And when he got there, all these Philistines were looking at him as he came walking in. They, they thought first thing, well, look, here comes David. I'm like, what, is there something wrong here? David's walking right into the enemy territory after killing our hero. Next of all, he's got the sword with him that Goliath had. What's wrong with this kid? And David walked in. And when David walked in and saw all these people surround him, and especially the members of the army surround him, David freaked out on the inside. He didn't show it on the outside, but suddenly he came to himself. And suddenly he repented right there. I mean, right there out of his heart, he repented and basically asked God for help and an idea came to him. And that idea was this. David went over to the door of one of the walls there and scratched on the door and began to slobber out of his mouth onto his beard and it ran down his beard. And in the ancient world, that was a symbol for somebody that was mentally ill. And they looked at him and thought that, but here was the other thing in the ancient world. If you touched a person like that, their mental illness came on you. This is all recorded in history. And when they saw David do that, they all backed off because there's no, there is no natural reason why David should be here in Gath in the hometown of Goliath with Goliath's sword walking in among all these people. And that didn't make sense. But when they saw him that looked like they thought, okay, this kid has gone nuts and we don't want near him. So they backed off and David was able to escape from there and ended up in a place called Adullam. Adullam was a cave out in the uh, areas there in the, in, the, in the sand regions, in the areas of the desert of Judea. And he came to this, came to this cave called Adullam. In the cave of Adullam, he wrote a couple of Psalms. And in the cave of Adullam was when he came back to his senses. This is where he came back into fellowship with God and back into fellowship with the word and back to his total dependence on the Lord. And David wrote some incredible things. One of the Psalms he wrote was though a, though a host should encamp again 
against me, I will not fear. He realized that really what the king had going for him, now Saul had sent out basically the entire army chasing after her. The army, air force, navy, and marines were all coming after him. And he realized I could look out here one morning, see the, literally see the hills covered with everything, but it came back to him. No, I was anointed to be the next king of Israel, which means I'm going to end up on that throne. As long as I don't mess up, as long as I don't get involved in sin, as long as I don't doubt God, it's got to come to pass. His full trust was back in God. And he realized this and simply came to this. He said, though the hills should be covered, though, I mean, though there be planes coming over me and tanks coming at me and all these things, I'm not going to fear any of that because God is my protector. And then David woke up one morning and literally this is what God, God began to assemble David's dominion at that time. David would be king. David would have the kingdom and God began to form it at that point. David woke up one morning and there were 400 men standing outside of his cave. Those 400 men, the list, the Bible calls them their tax, uh, dodgers and and there were uh, men that were running from uh, you know the military uh, draft dodgers all these other things tax evaders there was there was murderers they were all running through the desert because it was so hard to find them they could spread out so easy and there were so many thousands of caves out there you could hide just about anywhere and they were all standing outside there and they looked at David David said what do you want they said we want to be your army. I mean, this is a bunch of misfits, 400 misfits. David must have laughed and thought, man. And David wasn't that much of a military man. He had been in the military working under Saul, but he himself personally wasn't. So he was going to have to train these guys. And he started training them. And they became the core of the army that David would have later on. Within a few days, it went from 400 to 600. And David had an incredible army that he trained and they began to be the core of the army of David. They won many wars and became the core of David's eventual military when he became king. They camped at Ziklag. All of them moved out of the area from the cave of Adullam and they moved to Ziklag. And this is where God gave them great wealth. Let me tell you the story of Ziklag, an amazing story. David at the, at the area of Ziklag. They came home one day because this is where they were camped. Their families were there. Their children were there. Their homes were there. All this, this was the camp. They came to, to come back and get refreshed in. And all the men came home one day. All 600 came home one day. And guess what? The place had been attacked. Their wives had been taken. Five armies came attacked, took their wives, took their children, took them all into slavery, took all their possessions, and then burned the city of Ziklag. And the men came there and looked around and there was smoke coming up. Their families were gone, their children were gone, and they all began to cry. And then they all turned on David and blamed David. These are the guys that have been trained by David. These are the guys that saw David's heart. And yet they turned on him. Typical what happens sometimes when pressure comes, we look for somebody to blame and they all put the blame on David. David didn't react. He didn't retaliate. He went off to the side and prayed before God. And God told him what to do. Three things, get out of here, go. He said, go and attack. He said, and win, and then come back with the great spoils. And so he went to his men and told them what they were gonna do. And they rode out, and let me tell you, they, they were broke. I mean, literally their, their wealth was gone, everything. These guys were stone broke. Their wives were gone, children were gone, possessions were gone, homes were burned. And they rode with David. And when David took them out there, God gave them supernatural ability, supernatural insight, supernatural strength. And what happened to them was when they got there, they won a battle against five different kings and they got the spoil. They not only got their wives back and their children back, but they also took spoils that all, from five different battles. I mean, there was gold and silver and all this. And these men came back. And when they came back, they were multi 
millionaires. All of them were, and David also. And when they got back, I thought this is an interesting thing to be said. When they came back, some of them stayed back there and guarded the ashes. What I mean by that was they said, look, if they come back here looking for something, we need somebody that can protect what little we have because they left some of their stuff there. And when they got back, these men that had gone to battle said this, well, David, we don't think it's right that those guys that stayed here and didn't actually go to battle with us should get part of what we have. They immediately became possessive. They immediately thought only of themselves. They immediately thought only about all this money should belong to me. And David was really upset with him for thinking that way. He says, no, from now on, he said, write this down. He said, though those who stay by the stuff will be rewarded equally with those that go to battle. And sometimes we'll rotate this. Those that stayed here will go to battle. But what I'm telling you is it's got to be equally divided. I mean, this whole thing about, you know, becoming possessive over things, it happens. A person begins to get prosperous and all of a sudden they think about only themselves. They don't, they quit giving to the church, all this, they start putting into the bank and they just look at basically how much money they have. That's all they look at. And that's what happened with, with David's men. And so David had to chew them out and tell them, no, they are part of us. And when it's like the guy that stays in, in his business and supports the church. And yet we often say, well, you're not out on the mission field. He is in the mission field. What he's doing here is helping to support that missionary so he can stay out there. And I can guarantee you when we get to heaven, those that stayed by the stuff and did their business and worked their businesses and, and ran their corporations and all the things that they did or else worked on a assembly line, blue collar, whatever it may be, they're going to be rewarded equally with those who went to battle. When they begin to support missionaries, when they support evangelists, they support the local church, that the great treasures that will be handed out to the pastor on that day will be shared equally with all those who have stayed by the stuff. And so again, Saul, Jonathan, other brothers were killed later on at Mount Gilboa. And, and David wrote out, let me give you the story. Go back to, to Ziklag for just a moment. David at that point, when he told them all here, he says, those who stay by the stuff will be rewarded equally with those who went to battle. David at that point took the treasures that he had, millions and millions of dollars, and put them on his horse. And David rode out. And David went back, listen to this, David went back to the, to the kings of the city that had hidden him from Saul during the time he was running from Saul and he gave them money. I imagine whenever that, you know, finally, the, after they had hidden David, they trusted, they knew about David. And when they knew that Saul was chasing after them, many of the kings sided in with David against Saul and David hid there. Now David comes back and awards these guys and rewards these guys for what they did. And suddenly David shows his what his his love for them. Anyone who protected me, I'm going to reward you greatly. And he gave them again, hundreds of thousands of dollars to each one of them and spread it around. Then David came back to his own men. This showed again that David thought of others above himself. Whenever he got money, it wasn't all for him. David did this continually throughout his entire lifetime. Even in his death, he took his personal money, multiplied millions of dollars. David took all that money, put it into the next generation for the coming temple. For the temple to be rebuilt, David gave it. And and gave it to his own son who would put it in there. And David's son, Solomon, took the money that David gave. David gave his own personal wealth. He didn't take it out of the kingdom, didn't take it out of the banks of the kingdom. No, he took it out of his own personal money and gave it to the next generation. David remained a strong man to give into the kingdom of God, a very willing man, a very loving man, a very generous man to give into the kingdom of God. So Saul, Jonathan, other brothers at that time were eventually killed on Mount Gilboa by the Philistines. Here's what happened. 
the Saul started sending out troops all across the country. And he sent out so many troops, but he had them all chasing David. He pulled him from the borders. He pulled him from all the protection places. Saul went nuts. Saul basically just went non-compass menace. And he began to send out all these men chasing after David. And David was protected by God. And suddenly, since the borders were suddenly not protected, the Philistines began to come in. And Saul found himself with Jonathan and all the brothers on Mount Gilboa, and they were killed by the Philistines. And right after that, David became the king, but the, but the people of the nation didn't trust him. They had heard from Saul for so long how evil and wicked that David was. They believed what Saul had to say. And for seven years, David ruled from Hebron, not from Jerusalem. David became king and ruled for those seven years. And during that time, basically the nation rejected him until finally after seven years, they began to realize something. David was right. And it was King Saul that was wrong. And the leadership of all the tribes came and bowed before David one day and repented before him for trusting in the word of Saul and not watching David's life or listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then right after that, David moved to Jerusalem and he ruled from Jerusalem for the rest of his life as he ruled again over that nation. Finally, the nation realized what Saul had told them about David was a lie and they repented on that day before King David. David then went to Jerusalem to rule as king of Israel and, and helped to take back the city of Jerusalem, which had been held by the enemy for some time. In this, we come back and now we're about to talk and we'll bring it up tomorrow. This is where the covenant comes back in. David still had a scar on his hand. And now that his a covenant brother has been killed, Jonathan has been killed in battle. David is going to wonder what to do about that covenant, going to ask God what to do. And the story becomes incredible here. You'll find yourself pasted all over it. For those of you that'd like to become a partner with me in this ministry, maybe you're part of that 400 or 600. Maybe you feel like a bunch of misfits and you think, how in the world can I ever work with a ministry? I'm simply here to tell you, God loves to take misfits and turn them into fine workers for the kingdom of God. And God wants to do that for you. One of the things you can do is to help support me in this ministry and understand this. I'm the one preaching. I'm the one on television. I'm the one that goes out and travels, goes to Bible schools and stuff like that. And you stay at work and wonder, well, I sure would like to be out there and find out what's going on. God's going to reward you equally with me who went into battle because you shared of your income, you shared of your treasure and gave it to me. If you'd like to become a partner with me, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner and I will see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.